the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So today we hear that we have been given a gift of eternal glory. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The words of St. Paul. So eternal life, what do we look forward to? You know, the prayer that we pray, uh, one of the prayers we pray for the departed gives us, I think, a very important uh, description of where we are going, where our eternal destiny is. It's a place of brightness, a place of refreshment, a place of rest. There's no sickness, no sorrow, no sighing. That's all fled away. The sight of God's presence is everywhere. We rejoice with all the saints who from all the ages have been well-pleasing to him, our friends, our families. We enter the purity of the kingdom with joy, peace, and eternal blessedness. Sound like a good place? Sound like a destination? Is that on your bucket list? This is a powerful thing. This is where we're going for eternity. This is what you're living now is just the foreword to the book of eternity. We need to have our eyes on that. You know, a beautiful line for one of the saints is, throw your mind over the barrier. Get this idea that this is temporary. This is the training ground. Get through this and we move forward to that blessed life which is waiting for us in eternity. Where the Lord is, where the saints are, where the mother of God is, where all our family is. So, uh, so how do we get there? It's kind of a road map uh, that I think is given to us a bit today in the epistle one is we, we are to follow the rules, to make our effort. And the first effort that the Lord gives to us is to repent before the kingdom of God is at hand. So the first is to repent. And then we hear in the gospel text the great humility of the centurion. So we have two uh, directions that we're asked to go. One is to repent, and the other is to be humble. These are the directions that God has given to us so we may enter that heavenly kingdom. St. Paul says the wages of sin is death. And so it brings us to the need for repentance. So, and I was reading today, uh, the other day, uh, the difference between kind of a legalistic view of repentance and a, therapeutic, a therapeutic view of repentance. Both are necessary, but it's important to understand the therapeutic view because that's what kind of motivates us for the long haul. So if we look at sin in a juridical sense, sin is a legal transgression which needs to be forgiven so when we can be declared innocent, so we can walk around without guilt. But this, if this is the only thing we understand about repentance, then it becomes a deadly circle because we have see our sin as just and our work as an autonomous individual act 
in just relationship to God. So both these things are, are critical for us. So if we just see sin as a transgression that needs to be forgiven so we're declared innocent and not guilty, then we, just, we tend to then just keep on sinning. It, there's a deeper uh, sense of repentance, and I, I, I hope I can communicate this to you because I think it's very important. Sin, in an orthodox therapeutic view, is missing the mark. You miss the mark. A failure to be what we're called to be. Imaged in God, living according to his likeness. And this is possible because we're united to Christ in communion with him and in communion with each other. So what does sin do? It breaks that communion with God and each other. So yes, we have freedom to choose. Yes, we choose and we affirm the relationship. No, we choose and we uh, separate ourselves from God, from the saints, and from one another. So I need to tell you a story about this because this, this, brings, this great, brings for us great sorrow. When we, sin, we, when we sin and we break a relationship with somebody we love, that's very different than just a juridical sense of I sinned and I need to be forgiven. But when I break a relationship with somebody I love, it, it brings deep sorrow to me. I break relationship with my Lord, with the mother of God, with the saints, and with my loved ones. You know, initially, confession was public. I think we should start that again, don't you? You know why it was public? Because the sin was against the community. Because you hurt everybody. Your sin hurt everyone. It was a pain to everyone that you sinned. And so this becomes really critical to us. I need to tell you a story about this. I don't know how old I was, seven years old maybe. I did something really foolish to offend my mother. And I ran around the house. I don't remember what I did. I don't remember what I did. But uh, I came back to her. I said, Mom, can I have something to eat? She says, who are you? I said, well, I'm Kurt. I'm, I'm Kurt, your son. She says, oh, my son never acted like that. Whoa. I said, no, Mom, it's me. It's, it really is me. What, what did I just do? I offended the one I loved. It broke my heart. I, you know how you remember, at seven years old, you remember something like it's visibly there. I remember where it was. I remember the colors. I, wonder, I remember she had this dress on. I mean, it's one of those moments that was, I offended her by my sin, and I broke my relationship with her. Who are you? I don't know you. My son doesn't act that way. See how different that is than just a, a juridical, I sin, God forgives me. We offend, we separate ourselves from a relationship. So it, it begs us to come back to, 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 to uh, repent with deep sorrow it's just not about me and God. It's about me and the saints, me and other people. So this becomes very important to us, I think. So our life, beloved, is a corporate life. Uh, we live together with, uh, 
with each other and with the saints. You know, I shared this before, but Mother Victoria said we were at a meeting with our uh, uh, summer school students, and she said, you know, when you come to pray with us, and the saints pray all the time, you come into the church and pray with them, it makes them happy. It makes them happy. When you're here today praying with the saints, it makes them happy. They have a relationship with you and you with them. You don't want to break that. You don't want that to be separate from. So important, I think, to see those things. So our life is a corporate life, not an individual one. We need God. We need each other. The church is where this reality comes together. So we come to become. So Alexander Schmemann said we come to church to become the church. We're becoming the church together because life is a corporate life. And so when we make that mistake and sin, we need to see coming back together is a critical piece in our relationship, not only to God, but to the whole community of saints. So from St. John of the Ladder, he says, Repentance raises the fallen. Mourning, that is deep sorrow, knocks at the gate of heaven. And humility opens the gate. So, humility. Beautiful, I think, to hear the words of the centurion. I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof. Lord, don't come to my house. You know, we hear from St. John Chrysostom, in our prayers of preparation. I'm not worthy that thou should come under the roof of the house of my soul, for it is all deserted and in ruins. Now is not a worthy place in me to lay thy head. For from the height of thy glory thou didst humble thyself, so now bear me in my humility. Humility is a very, it's it's the mother of all virtue. It's, it's, it's what all other virtues can be built on. You know, reading about it, St. John of the Ladder says it's very hard to describe it. And if you think you've got it, you don't. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of elusive a bit, but you'll, you'll understand. You'll see some examples. <clears throat> the first aspect of humility is we have complete dependence on God. Complete dependence on our Lord. I could do nothing without your divine guidance and help. That's how we begin a prayer when we ask through the beginning of a task. I cannot do anything or without your divine guidance and help. In Psalm 18, uh, uh, St. David says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. You're my firm foundation, my refuge, and my deliverer. We pray, help us, save us, have mercy on us. Keep us, O God, by thy grace. All these things show our complete dependence on our Lord. Complete dependence. What we get, what gifts we have, are given to him, given to us by God. Undeserved. And the strength to fulfill those gifts is given to us by God. So we should continually have this sense of dependence, but total gratitude to God for what he's done and what he's doing. For everything that I have, every gift I have, every ability I have, 
to fulfill those gifts is given to me by God. That should keep us humble, right? Humble. We don't, we don't rise up and say, I did. No, I was able to do thanks be to God. I was able to do thanks be to God. So we have to keep ourselves in that place. Psalm 115, not unto us, Lord, not unto us, but to thy name give glory. Not unto us, Lord, not unto us, but to thy name give glory. So we're always pushing away things with gratitude toward God for the things he's given us. So one, dependence on God. The other is uh, another way to uh, encourage humility is to accept criticism. I'm not very good at that, by the way, but except criticism. What's, what's your first response when somebody criticizes you? Thank you? It's defense. I'm not that way. I didn't do that. Why didn't mean that? It's defense. The saints say, accept it. It's interesting, I talked to a priest friend of mine one year before Lent started, he was given this really harsh accusation against him. And I was talking to him, and he said, I started by defending myself, but then I realized that if I look at that accusation closely and objectively, it was correct. If we stop and don't defend yourself right away, just Maybe there's something here I can get that'll help me. Maybe some bit of humility I can grab from this. Something I can take that will help me. I think it's very important not to just push away criticism. It's important also not to let people run over you, so there's kind of a double thing here. But listen to what they have to say. It, it's very likely that something in there is profitable for you. And you can find uh, a bit of humility to accept that and gain from that bit of criticism. The other is uh, to be contrite, to find deep godly sorrow in relationship to our sins and in, in developing humility. Um, St. John of the Ladder again. Contrition is a result of a fall. Stand in prayer as one shattered. Steadying oneself with a staff of hope and using it to drive away the hound of despair. I want to talk about this because it's very important. You know, when we sin and even have deep godly sorrow, there's a, there is a tendency at times to be despairing, even after confession. Walk away feeling still very heavy about the sin you've confessed. But I think it's important to understand that the devil condemns and God forgives. The devil condemns and God forgives. You know, I want to read this... Uh, This is from St. Simeon, the new theologian, in Prayers of Preparation for Communion. He 
says, turning to thee now with a contrite soul. I know, Savior, that no man has sinned against thee, nor done the things that I have done. Yet this also I know. Listen to this. Neither the magnitude of my transgressions, nor the multitude of my sins, surpasses the great long-suffering of my God and his exceeding love toward mankind. Nothing surpasses the long-suffering of my God and his exceeding love toward mankind. How many things surpass his long-suffering and love? Say it. Nothing. Nothing. You have to get that. Because the evil one wants to give you despair. Even, even when you're even in confession, you can confess. Be despairing. Have no hope. St. John says, take the hope of God's love and compassion for you and beat away the hound of despair. I love that. The hound of despair. It barks. No God. You're no God. You're no God. Beat it away. I'm forgiven. God loves me. God's mercy is far greater than my sins. You need to hear these words and get them deep in you. It brings you, it, it brings me to confession. I want to come. I want to get rid of the stuff, and I want to get rid of the despair the stuff gives. I want both things gone. Right? You want both things out of there. Not just the sin, but the despair of the sin. So these are things that we can really focus on, I think, to, to help us gain some humility in our work and effort toward God. So today, we're given the blessed blessedness of eternal life with Christ our Lord. The joy with, in heaven and paradise with the Lord, the saints, and all those who have gone before us. The roadmap is repentance and humility. Repentance raises the fallen, godly sorrow knocks at the gate of heaven, and humility opens the gate. Grateful we are, Lord, that you have given us eternal life, and you've made that available to us. May you grant us the blessedness of repentance to knock on the gate, and the blessedness of humility that that gate may be opened, where we will be with our loved ones, the saints, and you, for eternity where there is no sickness, sorrow, sighing, and the sight of your counsel rejoices us forever. The blessing of your presence is there always, now, and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.